The following broadcast is produced by Brookside Meeting House Companies, LLC, doing business as Forget-Me-Not Ancestry. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jane Wilcox, and this is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Welcome to the show. This morning, I'm featuring the Westchester County Archives and the Westchester County Historical Society uh, in New York, Westchester County. Uh, uh, We're going to be talking about what each is, what the archives is, what the historical society is, how they work together, what types of collections they they each have, uh, and why they're uh, featured together is because they are both in the same location in Elmsford, Westchester County. Uh, I research in Elmsford a few times a year uh, and have gotten to know the archives collection and the historical society collection in my client research. I don't have any ancestors in Westchester County. Uh, And so I met uh, Jackie and Patrick in the course of my research uh, for my clients. Uh, And I was there recently, maybe a month ago or so, and thought it would be wonderful to feature uh, both the archives and the Historical Society on the show. Uh, So I have Jackie Graziano. She's the archivist for the Westchester County Archives. And Patrick Raftery, he is the librarian for the Westchester Historical Society. So Jackie and Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you are able to join us today. So as I I start with uh, all of my guests, uh, we'd like to know what your background is, where you were born, raised, your education, and your careers. Uh, So let's start with Jackie. Um, I'm from New Jersey, from North Jersey. I actually went to college here in Westchester, King's College in Briarcliff, and uh, got my master's in library science with my certificate in archives and records management from Queens College in Queens. And how long have you been at the archives? I've been here almost 10 years. In August, it will be 10 years. Can't believe it. Okay. (laughs) And then what did you do prior to that? Uh, I was at Reader's Digest for 10 years and at another publishing company before that. Um, Interesting, interesting work at, at Reader's Digest. Very good company. I enjoyed working there. Okay. And then how did you end up at Westchester County Archives? Um. We knew them because I was doing part-time work at the Field Library in Peekskill, which has a local history room, and the uh, directors knew each other, and also uh, they would bring things down to the uh, archives to use the big scanner to have uh, maps and other uh, items uh, scanned for their collection, and you know, they encouraged me when a job opened up here. They said, oh, you know, you'd be perfect for that. I know you're interested in archives, you know, apply. So I did, and uh, I got lucky, and I got the job, and it's been a great experience to be here. Oh, very good, very good. And so, uh, Patrick, how about you? Um, so I'm from Westchester County. Um, I was a history major at Concordia College in Bronxville, and I got my master's in library science at Long Island University's Palmer School. And I've been at the Historical Society for 11 years. I was more or less hired right out of college. 
Okay. All right. And then for both of you, what was your interest in the uh, library work and, and archival work, uh, starting with Patrick? When I was a senior at Concordia, I came up to the archive slash historical society reading room to do a fair amount of research. Um, so I was pretty familiar with the institution. I was familiar with how libraries worked, how archives worked. Um, and it seemed like a good career option. So I applied to library school after I got my uh, bachelor's degree. And um, here I am. Okay. And Jackie? Um, when I left Reader's Digest, um, I was looking around for what to do next. I knew I didn't want to stay in another office job. Uh, I was advertising. It was interesting, but I wanted to do something else, and someone suggested to me to do volunteer work, take some time, um, and do information interviews, which I highly recommend to anybody who's looking for change careers. Um, it got me interested in library work and, and uh, also learned about archives a little bit, historical um, documents. And uh, when I started looking around at library schools, uh, Queens mentioned to me that they had just gotten accredited in their archives and records management program, and I said, oh, that sounds perfect. Sign me up. Okay. So I'm assuming both of you are interested in historical to the library work, the archives, historical society. And what about genealogy? Are, are either of you interested in genealogy, uh, starting with Jackie? I'm, I'm not doing my own family genealogy, uh, but it is interesting to hear other people's stories. And, of course, I'm curious. It's just um, when I get back to my grandparents, they both came from they all came from Europe, so it's uh, it seems a little daunting, and, and it's it's something I'll probably end up doing like a lot of people when I'm retired. Um, for now, I, I just uh, I, I know where to get the records. I just haven't actually started. <laughs> okay, and Patrick? Um, I've done some research back to my great-great-grandparents. Um, um, all eight of my great-grandparents were immigrants to the New York area, six in Manhattan and two to Westchester. Um, so I've been pretty fortunate in that area that all the research that I need to do is either in Manhattan or Westchester. Um, so that's about as far back as I've gone. I haven't gone to Ireland or Italy. Okay. And, and what sparked that interest to, to want to find out about the great-grandparents? Um, I just I guess I thought that the story of their immigration was pretty interesting, um, trying to find out what made them come across the ocean to America, um, what made them choose the careers that they chose, um, that sort of thing. Okay. All right. Thank you. So now let's uh, focus on the uh, archives and the historical society. So we'll start with uh, Jackie. Um, so will you tell us a, a little bit about the history of the Westchester County Archives, uh, such as when it was started, how it came into being? Um, the archives was created in 1985. The um, then county clerk, Andy Spano, uh, had been a history teacher and was very interested in the history of Westchester. So he got the funding to start an archives, and they had the county had already acquired the building we're in. They were using it for the records center, which is um, records that still belong to county departments, uh, but they don't have room for them on site in the buildings in um, White Plains, so they store them out here. And they uh, created a section for the archives, started bringing over documents and record books that were just lying around, gathering dust on shelves, um, sitting in 
uh, county office buildings in the basements, um, just, you know, been tucked here and there, and they were identifying them as, oh, those have historic value, and, you know, they're looking a little fragile. They should be in better storage. They created a um, a special vault, humidity and temperature-controlled vault here. Uh, They hired a head archivist, David Carmichael, who was here for, I think, four or five, maybe longer, I'm not sure, six years maybe. Um, And he oversaw the arrangement, description, um, creation of series, um, rehousing of all the documents into the uh, acid-free storage boxes and folders and just a huge undertaking. They they started the volunteer program. They hired some extra uh, archivist archive staff, and it's just amazing to me to think of what they got through in the four years before they opened the reading room, so that the public could access the records and started the reading room program, um, where people could come in two days a week to actually see the records. But the the thousands and thousands of records they rehoused and and, um, you know, put into finding aids so that people would know where to find them. It's just an amazing undertaking, and I just uh, marvel at uh, at the work that they did and, and how well organized it all it was and, and created the backbone of the program we have now. It, and it is so well organized, and we're going to talk about that a, a little bit later. And I was going to ask, when when did the reading room open? So it was four years from 1985? Yes, the reading room opened in 1989, and uh, we've been in the same location ever since, uh, still open to the public two days a week, and uh, not necessary to make appointments, so people can just feel free to come in. In fact, very often people will pop in and say, oh, I've driven past this building a million times, and I never knew what was here. What do you have here? So I'll happily tell them. Okay, and will you uh, emphasize what days of the week that you are open and the hours? Sure. It's uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, it's not necessary to make an appointment. We're um, we're pretty informal. Uh, if you want to call us or give us a, a heads up, um, and it's always good to check ahead. Um, most times we're here, and it's not a problem every now and then. We have issues with the building. Very, very rarely, though, I have to say. Um, and, of course, on holidays we're we're not open like fourth of july falls on a tuesday or wednesday we're not going to be here then sorry um but otherwise regularly tuesdays and wednesdays we're here okay all right and i have posted those uh hours on the blog talk page as well um, because i always have to check when i'm getting ready to go i i have to remember it's tuesday and wednesday Mm. um so uh, patrick what about the history of the westchester county historical society again when was it started who who founded it Sure. The Society was founded in 1874, and originally it was a pretty exclusive club. Um, The County Archives has our Certificate of Incorporation, and they're descendants from the Morris family, descendants of the uh, the Jay family. Originally it was um, only open to men, and you had to be invited to join. And what these men would do is they would have these sort of dinner parties and dinner events and they would read historical papers that they had researched to the crowd that was gathered there. Um, Over time, the men that did this research, they gathered uh, material for it, and the society had a library after a while. And beginning in the early 1920s, the county government started to give us uh, space to house this library. And we moved, I believe, five or six times since the early 1920s. Um, For a while, we were at the Westchester Community College. We were in the Westchester County Office Building, the Westchester County Courthouse. 
Um, so we've had a bunch of different homes over the years. Um, but we came to the, our current home in 1989. We moved from the community college to, um, to the record center building. Okay. At the same year the reading room opened? Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so then how did the society come to be in that building? Was that a, a conscious decision by the county to, to include the archives and the historical society in one building? At the time, the archives was under the jurisdiction of the Westchester County Clerk, who, uh, as Jackie mentioned, was Andy Spano. And he realized that the archives was in one spot, and the Historical Society's collection, which very much complements the archives collection, was up at the community college. And so if someone was to do research, they would have to go back and forth between the community college in Valhalla and the archives location in Elmsford. And he said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we were able to have both these collections in one place for historians and for genealogists and for students? And uh, so that's how we came to be in the Record Center building. Okay. And it is wonderful. It, it's actually a unique situation in, in New York, having the histor- a, uh, Historical Society along with the archives in one co- location, and it's wonderful. Um, one new thing that I discovered when I was doing research uh, for these questions, looking at the County Archives website and the Historical uh, Society website, is that the uh, Historical Society is the Westchester County historian, <laughs> which I, I thought right. was really great uh and i didn't know that so tell us how that came about so the first westchester county historian which was a person was appointed in the mid-1920s and there was always very close connections between the whoever was the county historian and the historical society and actually i was the other day i was looking at the list of past county historians i think all of the county historians at one time or another were presidents of the westchester county historical society and so they made use of our collection, and we really um, interacted with them quite a bit. Um, the county decided to eliminate the post of county historian in 1995. At the time, there actually was an individual who was the county historian. And so for a couple of years, there was sort of a vacancy. There was no county historian. And after that, the county decided to appoint us as the quote-unquote acting county historian. And in 2006, the county said, um, you know, we've done such a a good job filling that post that we will appoint the agency as the county historian. And so for the past 12 years, we've um, held that position. So I am not the county historian. Our executive director is not the county historian. But we as the agency are the county historian. Okay. All right. And so then how, how do you function as the county historian when it's an agency and you have several people uh, within that agency? Um, I think it runs pretty smoothly. A lot of what we have to do um, with the county as county historian is we have to advise them on their historic properties. Um, the county owns several buildings and properties that are on the National Register of Historic Places, and so we advise them and try to help them out uh, when they're doing restoration work. Um, and we have, committee, we have a board of trustees um, that oversees our operations, and several of those members are on various committees. And so we have a historic preservation committee that works with the county. Um, so I think we have a pretty good relationship. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, I so agree. Now, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it works well uh, going into the reading room. Um, 
so Jackie, let's now focus on the archives and talk about the, the types of records that the archives has. Um, we have records from many different county departments, uh, primarily county clerk because they perform several functions that they deal directly with the public. Uh, we have deeds, um, citizenship naturalization papers. Uh, we also have a lot of stuff from the courts because all the court records uh, prior to 1911 when they had that fire in the state library uh, are here, stored here. Um, and it's mostly from when the New York State court system was um, revised, uh, reorganized uh, in 1847. We have everything up from then, complete records, up to 1911. Uh, prior to 1847, we have a lot of fragments of records because they weren't as good at keeping things all together, and a lot of the times people reuse the paper for other purposes. So unfortunately, we only have bits and pieces that have survived from those, um, but we're glad for what we have. And um, we have wills and estate files after the Revolutionary War up to, I believe, the early 1920s. Um, earlier, they were filed in New York City, so they're down in New York City, although we do have abstracts. Um, we have a lot of stuff on Playland because it was created by the county. It's the only publicly created and run uh, up till now um, uh, amusement park. And we have tons of photos and um, annual reports from the Parks Department because the Parks Department had lots of money in the 1920s. So they were just building, 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 and they created Playland. And the, the photos are great. The uh, construction and the early years of Playland, a lot of fun, you know, to see the way people used to dress up to go to the amusement park, you know, women in their pearls and high heels playing shuffleboard. The, the photos are just terrific. Um, we have a lot of documentation of the Bronx River Parkway being created. It was the first completed um, his publicly built parkway. Again, a lot of documentation on where the funding came from, where it went, who was hired. They hand, uh, hired a landscape artist to make the parkway look beautiful uh, as people were driving along it. And um, so we have lots of great photographs of the old cars and the construction. And it's been a subject of a lot of study. A lot of people have interest in the Bronx River Parkway. Um, we have uh, records from the old county almshouse. Those are kind of sad, very sad stories. Um, that was open from, I believe, about 1830 up to the 1940s. It moved locations from Eastview over to uh, Valhalla in 19. 1936, I think. Um, we only have the records from 1875 for that up to the early 1900s, and I believe Ancestry got later records from the New York State Archives for that. It's kind of funny how record books just, you know, sort of, we have them for some years, and then for other years they've disappeared. We don't know why we don't have them. They pop up in other places, but, you know, if people can track them down. Please let us know who has them, because we're always interested to find out. Um, we have a lot of stuff from the Department of Public Works, um, uh, maps with surveyor's notes. Um, we have some marriages, but not very many because uh, the county doesn't function with marriage. We don't do marriage, marriage records, um, but for a while they were receiving copies, so we do have some of those, and those are indexed on our website. We have a lot of stuff from the functioning of the county, um, Board of Legislators, Board of Supervisors proceedings, all the books on their meetings from about the mid-1800s up to today, um, and a lot of maps. We have 
about 70,000 maps in our collection. Bulk of them are modern day maps that are filed with the county clerk's office that are stored here, and they have to do with easements and changes in property structures. But um, a lot of the older ones from the 1830s up to about the late 1800s were hand-colored, hand-drawn, and they're just gorgeous. And some of those we've scanned and put up on our website so people can see them because they're just lovely. And uh, some of the ones that I really love looking at, they're not really interesting, but to think of what went into them and what they signified are the original surveyor's maps from when they surveyed the Hudson River Line Railroad and uh, showed where it was going to go and who owned the property because, you know, Washington Irving owned some of that property and, oh, I can't, I can't think of anybody else right now, but there's, there's some famous names in that list of people who owned property along the river who ended up having to give up some property for the railroad. So those maps show all of that. It's very interesting. You have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot. <laughs> a lot. And I, and I noticed uh, as you were talking that you've got the surrogate's court records, you've got the other court records, and then you've got the county clerk records, which would be the deeds and mortgages. Um, and, and, again, that's, that's unusual to have all of those in one place. Um, often the court records in a county are still with the courts. The, the surrogate's court records are still with the surrogate. Um, so it's wonderful that, that you have them all, all together. Uh, do you have any of, of the town records in the collection? We, we don't uh, because the town level of government is a different level of government, so they perform different functions than the functions that the county performs. Uh, although uh, we try to be helpful if people call here for something that we don't have, we try to figure out who does have it. And by now, since I've been here for several years, um, when I was first here, it was a little daunting, but <laughs> I've kind of gotten to know what the what the towns do versus what the county does. So we will try to find somebody that we can refer you to if you call here for something we don't have. Okay. All right. And then what what is not in your collection? That it's a county record, but it's maybe still with the the agency. Um, the, the big ones people call here for are birth, death, and marriage records, and uh, the county does not do those. They are local records. They're uh, issued and kept by the towns, the villages, and the cities individually, um, depending on where the event happened or where the birth or death happened and where the people got their marriage license, and it was usually in the town where the bride lived. Um, although in 1908, the state passed a law and said that the county had to start getting copies of marriage records, and that ran until 1926. They repealed it, and then for some reason we kept getting them until 1935. So we've got marriage records from that time period, um, but only from that time period. So anything earlier, we don't have anything later. We don't have, but like I said, if we can figure out where somebody was from, where something happened, uh, we'll try to refer you to, to the right community. Um, and property records, uh, tax records, uh, sorry, property tax records are local functions, uh, local uh, planning boards or building uh, departments. Um, so they kind of help fill in the gaps in between what happened when people sold property when it changed hands. So the deed records that, but uh, the property tax records can tell you things or certificates of occupancy, but those are all town functions. So they're going to be with the towns and unfortunately not with us. Okay. All right. And you mentioned uh, that it took four years to get everything organized and, and ready uh, for the reading room to be open. 
how how are we going to use the collection? Tell tell us how this was all organized and what we're going to expect when we get there. We have uh, a lot of information on our website, uh, which is archives.westchestergov.com. And I highly recommend, if you're thinking of visiting us, please look at the website first. A lot of really good information that we spent quite a bit of time. I helped with some of it, but there was a lot up already by the time I had come here. Um, about visiting, um, we have a guide to collections, which is searchable several different ways. We have You can look at the records uh, chronologically by year, by um, by what department they're published under, uh, by name, you know, if you know specifically what you're looking for. Or you can just browse through it. We also have a lot of photographs on our website, so you can browse the photographs um, on the website too if you're interested in doing uh, photo research. But as far as finding the records, um, we have some indexes on our website as well, uh, especially the ones that are of interest to people doing genealogy. Um, so the all the marriage records that we have are indexed on our website. Uh, all the surrogates, which is the probate court, the wills and estate files, are indexed on the website up to, I think, 1916. We haven't quite done those last five years yet, but we're getting there thanks to our volunteers. Uh, a lot of the early court records, those fragmentary bits, are on the website and um, some other things. I can't think off the top of my head. There's quite a list of stuff, so definitely look at the website. Um, the things are organized by series, so and we, we don't use a catalog the way a library does. Um, archival manuscripts are housed in boxes by folders, so what we do is we create a list called a finding aid or a container list that tells you what's in each box, how it's arranged, and um, then what's in each folder. So you would come in here, um, and I would direct you to the index to container lists or finding aids, and we'll find the series that you're interested in by the type of record it is and what kind of information it's going to give you. And then I'll walk you through the process of looking through. We have these binders out in the reading room by series number, so it's actually the order in which we received things. They're not in any other particular order. Uh, we find the series. We find the finding aid for that series. It tells you what types of records we have, what years we have them for, and then are they arranged by the name of the people who created them or uh, by the year that they were created, and we'll show you how to fill out a call slip for them. You work very comfortably in the reading room. You get to sit. We do all the running around. We pull things out from the humidity and temperature controlled vaults. We bring them out. You get to look at them, and then we, we put them away. Um, and let's see. There are a few things that are out in the uh, reading room, mostly uh, copies of uh, uh, main histories that belong to the Historical Society and uh, some other reference works that uh, people use quite a lot. So they're out in a bookshelf in the reading room and uh, readily available to everybody. Okay. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the archives how, and how it's used, organized, uh, before we move on to the Historical Society? Hmm. I mentioned the indexes. I mentioned the databases uh, that we use. Well, uh, some of the databases are available to the public, they, and there's links to them on our website. Uh, others we have to search internally. Um, but you know, if there's something that you're interested in, uh, definitely call. I'm, I'm happy to you know tell you whether we have it or not, and uh, you know to look and see you know what we have and and advise you from there. 
Okay. All right. And are you the only archivist? I am not the only archivist. I'm the one who runs the reading room. We are down to a very minimal staff here, unfortunately. There's the acting director. Um, the uh, other archivist, Courtney Fallon, is our director of volunteers and also oversees the functions of the website. So anytime an upgrade is needed or we need to put up new photos, or and she, uh, she handles that. She's also the one who handles all the um, oversees the digitizing of the photos and the cataloging and, and having them put up on the website. I do a lot of preservation scanning on off days that were not open to the public, um, you know, things that are fragile, uh, things that get heavy use. Um, we have a big flatbed scanner that I use um, to, uh, to scan them and, and uh, you know, keep them preserved. So the, the images are always available then, and, uh, and then we don't have to pull out the originals because every time we pull them out, it subjects them to wear and tear. So we're, you know, trying to keep them preserved for the next generations of, of historians and genealogists. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so we are going to take a break, uh, and we will come back and talk about the Historical Society. This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. As you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, you will see a, a bunch of social media buttons 
please share the Forget-Me-Not Hour with your friends and family on uh, social media. You'll also see a follow button. If you press that, you'll receive an email letting you know that the show is going on the air, what the topic is, and who the guest is. Uh, You'll also find the Forget-Me-Not Hour on iTunes, uh, and you can take the Forget-Me-Not Hour on the go with you, and I think that's under Jane E. Wilcox uh, for iTunes. And then uh, we have uh, uh, six years of the Forget-Me-Not Hour in the Blog Talk archives. Uh, And so take advantage of all of the wonderful shows. Uh, Many of them are timeless on uh, New York uh, history and genealogy and uh, just general interest history and genealogy. Uh, And that's, again, on the Blog Talk archives. Um, So today we are talking about the Westchester County Archives and the Westchester County Historical Society um, with my guests Jackie and Patrick. Uh, So uh, Patrick, now let's Let's uh, get into the Historical Society. So what are some of the, the highlights of the Historical Society's collection? So we have published histories of all of the communities in Westchester, as well as published histories about the county in general. Um, some of them are more specific, like they might deal with a particular church, they might deal with a particular association or organization or business, And some of them are just sort of general, general histories of communities, general histories of uh, counties and things like that. Um, We have a pretty extensive newspaper collection, both on microfilm and in print. Um, Probably the most used newspaper that we have is the Eastern State Journal, which was based out of White Plains. And that was the official county paper through most of the 19th century. And so they publish things, uh, notices from the Board of Supervisors, um, election results, things like that. Um, We have a decent collection of um, children's institution records on microfilm. In the mid-90s, our librarian did an outreach program where she contacted these uh, children's service institutes and said, would it be possible for us to microfilm some of your older records, because the more recent records, of course, are confidential. But if you have records going back to the 19th century, uh, we would like to microfilm them, give you a copy, and then keep a second copy here. And so those records are pretty useful for our our genealogists. Um, We have a pretty big collection of family uh, histories, um, both in terms of published material, non-published material, and um, genealogical files. So if you're researching some of the older families of Westchester, for example, the Purdy family, we have thousands upon thousands of pages of published material and unpublished material on the Purdy family. Um, We have a a map collection and an atlas collection. Um, Nowhere near as many maps as Jackie and the Archives have, uh, but we have just about every atlas that was published um, for Westchester prior to the 1970s. And most of those atlases show land ownership, so they get used pretty frequently by um, by our researchers. Um, we have a manuscript collection, and the manuscript collection has an index in um, our reading room. So if you've ever been to our reading room, you'll see we have the old card catalog style um, indexes there. So there's an index for the manuscripts. It doesn't just index what the manuscript is about. It indexes if a particular name is mentioned. Um, So if there's a bill of sale, let's say, for a business, um, the witness's signatures are also mentioned in this index. Um, We also have a uh, cemetery index. Um, There are these lists that we have of uh, tombstone inscriptions for 
most, if not all, of the cemeteries that were established in Westchester before 1850, so before the bigger rural cemeteries came into existence. So uh, that those transcriptions are all indexed in uh, the, what we call the cemetery index. We also subscribe to all of the newsletters and periodicals that are put out by the local historical societies, and those are indexed as well in the reading room. So that's really useful for genealogists. They don't and and research and historic researchers as well. They don't have to run around to every single historical society in the the county. Um, to get the local newsletters. They could just come here, and they're all in one spot. Um, we also have a pretty extensive photo collection, um, probably between 70,000 and 80,000 images. Um, we're still in the process of indexing them, um, but about 25,000 or so of them can be searched through our online database. Um, we also have uh, two really useful genealogical um, items. One is called the McKenzie Papers, and they were put together by a genealogist named Grenville McKenzie in the 1960s. And their title is Families of the Colonial Town of Phillipsburg, which refers to Phillipsburg Manor. Um, but that title is deceiving because there are genealogies of families all throughout Westchester County, uh, mostly families that were there prior to the Revolutionary War. Um, the unfortunate thing is that Mr. McKenzie, although he worked very hard, did not cite his sources. And so I always suggest to people when they're using the McKenzie papers to use them as a guide and to take them with a grain of salt. Um, but they're very useful for people who are researching their uh, colonial era ancestors in Westchester. Um, the other um, genealogical item we have that people really find interesting um, is a series called the McDonald Papers. And there was a judge named Judge McDonald from White Plains in the 1840s who went around the county interviewing survivors of the Revolutionary War, um, whether they were soldiers during the war, um, spouses of soldiers, children of soldiers. Um, sometimes they weren't necessarily eyewitnesses, but their parents may have been participants of witnesses. And so these interviews take up about 1,200 pages or so. They're all indexed. And um, I've seen many genealogists, when they see these sort of oral histories that their uh, ancestors um, may have taken part of, you know, 160 years ago, um, they find that really uh, fascinating and uh, pretty meaningful to see their ancestors' descriptions of the Revolutionary War in their own words. Um, we also have a pretty big collection of newspaper clipping files that has been given to us by Gannett um, in, in several stages over the past 20 years or so. Um, Westchester County had little local newspapers for each municipality, and in 1998, about a, 10 or so of them were merged into one newspaper called the Journal News. And so we have these clipping files that have um, information on individuals, businesses, churches, organizations, institutions, um, primarily from the late 1940s to the mid-1980s. So it's pretty useful for researchers, instead of having to slog through reels and reels of microfilm, they can just call up uh, the envelope on a particular person and then find all the mentions of this person, all these, these newspaper clippings in one envelope. Um, so we're pretty, we have a great collection that's able to help just general uh, local historians, um, but also genealogists as well.
All right, very good. I, I want to uh, add something about the uh, McK- Grenville McKenzie's uh, Phillipsburg Manor families. Uh, he, it's a, a typewritten manuscript, and I know of only one other place that has a copy, and that's the New York Public Library, which it was part of the New York Genealogical and Biographical Society's collection. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a wonderful resource for Westchester and is not found uh, except in Elmsford and now at the New York Public Library. As far as I know, there may be a few other copies out there. Um, so, Patrick, uh, you were talking about uh, the genealogy and, and general history. Uh, you know, and I like to tell genealogists that you can't separate history and genealogy. They have to go to, go together to place mm-hmm. your ancestor in the context of their times. So would you say that, that uh, the collection uh, does uh, cater to more historians potentially or, or genealogists or both? Well, I think what sometimes genealogists find sort of frustrating about our collection is we don't have the sort of proof documents that they're looking for. We don't have uh, birth certificates, uh, death certificates, marriage certificates. We also don't have the naturalization records and the wills that the archives has. Um, But what we do have is the material that can help you sort of flesh out your family tree. So we might not be able to get your grandfather's death record for you from Yonkers, but we can tell you about maybe the factory where he worked, the neighborhood where he lived, um, the church or the synagogue that he went to. Um, So even though our collection has far more more general history material, um, I think it's it's just like you said. It's just as useful for genealogists. There's no real separating genealogy and history. Okay. And and then what have you digitized from the collection? Um, so we've digit we started to work on digitizing our card catalog. Um, if you go to our database, which is um, westchester.passperfectonline.com, you can search what we've put up there so far. Um, So we have about 10,000 library records, but we focus much more on our digitizing our photo collection. Um, It's better in terms of preservation to have these photos scanned so we don't have to pull them out every time a researcher wants to look at them. Um, Sort of like what Jackie mentioned before about scanning fragile items. It's good to have those scanned so that they get used rather than the, uh, the originals. Um, But also we have more and more people who are contacting us from halfway across the country and uh, many times they've done the the, uh, the bare-bones genealogy, and they're looking to flesh it out. They're looking to find out, uh, you know, what was the neighborhood like where their ancestors lived. And so it's much easier for us and much easier for them to have all these items digitized and searchable online. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good deal that allows for them to, re- to search, and um, it's not so difficult on our end to make it available to them. Okay. And as you said, you have been there for 11 years now, and I'm sure you have seen a lot or if not all of the collection. Are there a couple of things that are standouts that are are unique or surprising to you? I really think the McDonald papers are pretty fascinating. Um, I can't think of any oral histories that go back that far. Um, And they're not just useful for uh, genealogists, they're also useful for Revolutionary War historians. Mm-hmm. So they really get used by a wide spectrum of um, of researchers. Um, what I think has become more unique about our collection over the past couple of years is that many 
historical societies and institutions around the county that are no longer really able to um, take care of their collections and make them available to the public have been placing them here on long-term loan. So, for example, when you come to our reading room, you can access our collection, but you can also access the collection of the Huguenot and the Rochelle Historical Society. You can access the collection of the Mount Pleasant Historical Society. You can access the photo collection of the Pound Ridge Historical Society. Um, and that, I think, is really, really useful for researchers. They don't have to bounce around um, the county to all these different places. And most local historical societies don't have full-time employees. You have to set up an appointment with them. Um, some of the institutions, their real focus is not on keeping records. And so, for example, we have a pretty large collection of material from Lindhurst, which was Jay Gould's house in um, Tarrytown. We have the, collect the early collection of the Warburg, which is now a nursing home, but was originally founded to be an orphanage for the children who um, lost their fathers during the Civil War. Um, so we're getting more and more unique items in, not necessarily uh, published material, but uh, manuscripts and, and items that you really won't be able to find anywhere else. Okay. All right. And, and speaking of published materials, uh, the Historical Society has some publications. Mm -hmm. um, we publish a quarterly journal called the Westchester Historian. It was formerly known as the Quarterly Bulletin of the Westchester County Historical Society. And we have been publishing that since 1926. Um, and if you are a member at the Society, you get it in the mail. So if you're interested in joining us, our website is uh, westchesterhistory.com, and if you click on the membership link, you can join up. Um, we also uh, have published several books over the years. Um, probably the, the most famous book of ours is one called Picturing Our Past, which came out in 2003. And it is a sort of survey of all of the sites in the county that are on the National Register of Historic Places. And it's really beautifully photographed and uh, beautifully written, and you can find that on our website as well. Um, the last two books that we put out uh, were regarding the cemeteries of Westchester County and the cemeteries of the Bronx. Um, your researchers might know that the Bronx was part of Westchester up until the end of the 19th century. Um, and I wrote those two books. The first one is three volumes for Westchester County, and the one for the Bronx is just one volume. And I tried, it doesn't have the list of all the people buried there, which I know is also often sort of disappointing to, uh, to researchers, but it's a sort of a survey of all the counties in the Bronx and in Westchester. Um, it gives a little history of how it was established, uh, famous people that are buried there, and if people are looking for uh, burial registers and information about if they can find their ancestor there, it gives them the contact information for that. Okay. All right. And uh, before we take a break, is there anything else you would like to add about the Historical Society's uh, collections? Um, I guess I'd always say uh, always check back with us, um, either in the reading room or online, because we are always getting new material in, um, both published material and unpublished material. So just because we don't have something today doesn't mean we're not going to have it a year from now. Okay. All right. Very good. So we are going to take a break. This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. We will be back on May 17th, the third Wednesday of the month, at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, The show is Our Juror Ancestors. My guests will be Judy Russell, the legal genealogist, and Paul O'Neill, who is the uh, Commissioner of Jurors for Ulster County. Uh, So we're going to be looking at our ancestors as members of juries on this show. And this came about uh, from me serving... uh, for uh, actually being called to be a juror, uh, I think it was in February, and uh, just got the idea to focus on our ancestors and what uh, they experienced as uh, being a member of a jury. Uh, So this is going to be, as I said, on May 17th at 10 in the morning. And then on the first Wednesday uh, Wednesday of the month, uh, we are going to be focusing on uh, New York Supreme Court records at the New York State Archives, and my guest will be Jim Foltz. Uh, and this is on June 7th at 10 o'clock, and we're going to be talking about uh, the recent transfer of Supreme Court records from uh, New York City, uh, and they were transferred to the New York State Archives. So now the early New York Supreme Court records uh, prior to 1847 are all together in one location. So we'll talk about what the Supreme Court is and uh, what types of records were generated. Again, that's on June 7th at 10 in the morning. And if you have questions uh, for any of my upcoming guests, uh, please contact me. Uh, You can find me at janeewilcox.com, J-A-N-E-E-W-I-L-C-O-X. Also, if you have ideas uh, for shows or feedback uh, on the show, uh, please contact me there. Um, So today we are continuing our conversation on uh, the Westchester County Archives and the Westchester County Historical Society. Um, So now... Let's let's bring the two together. Um, as we talked at the beginning of the show, they're they're both in the same building. Uh, so we have the research room, the reading room. Uh, let's let's start there in terms of what to expect. What are the policies? Uh, and you know, when when we walk in the door, what what do we need to be aware of? Jackie, will you uh, tell us about that? Um, when you first walk in, the reading room is right in front of the building, So, uh, and I sit there, so uh, you'll see me, and I will uh, greet you and ask you to sign in. We give you a registration form. Uh, we ask you to lock up all personal items in a locker, and um, you are allowed to bring in notes, um, pencils. We don't use pen. Uh, if you have a laptop, a camera, um a tablet, you're allowed to bring any of those in. And we also now do allow those little handheld wand-type scanners, um, not the type that you can feed documents through. We don't permit those because uh, many of the records are too fragile, and we don't permit the, the large uh, flatbed-type ones, but the wand ones are good. Um, and then I give you an overview, um, You know, ask what you're interested in accomplishing that day. If you're brand new to genealogy and you just want an overview, uh, some advice, we're happy to do that too. Um, you know, so want people to feel comfortable coming in. Uh, you can always ask questions ahead of time. Send us an email or call ahead of time too if you have questions. Um, we have volunteers and other uh, who are here and they're trained to use both collections. 
Um, so it, it's not like you can only ask me questions about the archives and only ask Patrick about the Historical Society's collection because the card catalogs for the Historical Society are in the reading room, and we know how to pe point people to um, both, you know, how to find items in both collections and give you advice on what types of records answer, what types of questions, uh, what time periods we have things for. So, you know, are you better off starting with the archives collection? Are you better off starting with the Historical Society's collection? You know, are you one of those lucky people who can use both? Um, so that's what I'm there for, and um, happy to happy to help. Okay, and then Patrick, uh, how how do you, uh, as a historical society, work with people who are there on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays? Um, I think well, we have a, a fair number of uh, researchers whose um, questions may require answers from. One particular question might require an answer from both Jackie and myself. Um, so, for example, I think I've gotten pretty good at researching the county's uh, property records uh, mm -hmm. and uh, the surrogates record as well. And I know Jackie has um, also learned quite a bit about our own collection. And so I think plenty of people who come in often just refer to the reading room as the archives of the historical society. I think we work so seamlessly together. Uh, that most people who don't know any better think we're just one collection. Um, and so even though, I mean, I'm responsible for the Historical Society, Jackie's responsible for the archives, um, we both have taken the time to learn quite a bit about each other's collection. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really helpful to our researchers. Okay, very good. And do you each take inquiries uh, long distance and, and do research for, for people, Jackie, starting with you? Yes. Yeah, uh, people can submit questions um, either through the email, and I'll tell them how to, you know, submit it using the form on our website. Or uh, so we, I get a lot of queries by email. People call and, you know, oh, what do you have, and can you answer this question for me? But yes, uh, we are set up so that we can provide a uh, copy of a document, a single document for fifteen dollars, um, or you can submit a custom research request which just generally, you know, ask us to do an hour's research and that's $25. Um, we're not, unfortunately not set up for credit cards, so it's still the old-fashioned way with checks. But you can submit queries by mail, mail and uh, we're, we're happy to handle them. And if you're not sure what you're asking for, you know, please submit an email or, or call us and I'm happy to, to talk you through things and tell you what we have and what we can help you with. Okay, and Patrick, how about for the Historical Society? So about half of our researchers are genealogists, and of those genealogists, the overwhelming majority don't live in the area, and so it's not easy for them to visit us. So we have a what we call research by mail, uh, where you can get an hour's, hour's worth of research for $40, and um, that includes any uh, photocopying, any scanning, any uh, postage that it would require to send you the answer. So if you go to our website, westchesterhistory.com, you, and you click on the research link, um, that tells you how you can go about ordering an hour research. Um, but generally, when people send us these requests, I can usually tell right off the bat whether we can help them or not. Um, so it's worth it to contact us before you send us a check. Okay. All right. And then how about the future uh, for the Historical Society? Uh, is there a, a vision of going forward? Um, going forward, the two big things we're working on, uh, the first is a new sort of general historical uh, history book of Westchester County. Um, in 1982, we published a book called Westchester County of Pictorial History, 
And a couple of years ago, we sold our last copy of that. Um, so we're still working. We're working on a new one that we're hoping is going to come out at the end of 2017. Um, it'll be the same, sort of a 200-page book that gives a general history of the county um, and is well il- illustrated as well. Um, I think going forward, we've been working a lot more with other organizations um, and institutions than we did in the past. Um, we recognize that since 2008, a lot of places have cut back quite a bit. Um, they're not that they find it more difficult to maintain their records, to make them available to the public. And so I think we've done a pretty good job of working with them to uh, maybe get their records here on long-term loan. They still own it, but we make it available to the public. And so that's something we've been working on over the past couple of years, and I think will continue to be um, a factor in our operations in the future. Okay. And, Jackie, how about for the archives? We uh, are always trying to get uh, teachers and interested uh, in our uh, our facility here because we're such a great resource for uh, county history and the you know some of the students in fourth grade learn local history so we do have a uh, student groups who come in from local schools uh, the fourth grade students in June so we'll be hosting that next month and looking forward to that those kids are uh, they're, they're so enthusiastic and they're a lot of fun uh, we give them a tour and a, do a little program with them and uh, Mercy College recently reached out to us uh, the history department um, they want to do a program for their uh, graduate history students on how to use an archive and what to expect and so we're going to do something with them in the fall on that and I, I would love to see more of that happen we um, We'd like to do more outreach uh, with minimal staff. It's a little challenging, but um, you know, I'm I, anytime anybody comes in who's connected with one of the schools, I'm always you know, please you know, talk to us about you know what you'd like to do, um, and it just you know keep on uh, doing our preservation so that we um, can can keep the uh, the fragile records in in good condition. You know, be able to uh, preserve them for future generations, but still make them accessible. So those those are our our future goals. Okay, very nice. So we are uh, coming to the end of the show. We're wrapping up with the last couple of questions. Uh, so as I ask all of my guests, what is your own ancestry? So Jackie, let's start with you. You mentioned your your grandparents. Where did they come from? Uh, half Sicilian from Italy and half Polish. Uh, so I I have one one my my. Uh, mother's parents came from Poland, and my uh, father's parents came from Sicily. And uh, it's a proud ancestry for, on both sides, but uh, challenging places to do <laughs> um, genealogy, from what I understand. So, sometime in the future, I hope to start that. Okay. And did they land in New York City and stay there? Yes. Uh, they all came in through New York City. I, I found my father's parents uh, listed on in Ellis Island's records and didn't know that they had actually lived in New York City for a while before they went to New Jersey. Um, so that was very interesting. And I uh, believe my mother's parents came in through New York, but I haven't found their records. Uh, they ended up in Pennsylvania. So that's that's where I need to look next for, for records for them. Okay. And, and Patrick, how about yours? So of my eight immigrant great-grandparents, six are from Ireland and two who are from Italy. And um, all but two of them stayed in Manhattan. Uh, Two of the Irish great-grandparents moved up to New Rochelle. Okay. All right. And I know, Patrick, you mentioned that you have done some research on on your ancestors. Is there any one ancestor who has uh, called out to you the most? Um. 
when I, my grandmother in New Rochelle, um, when I was a kid, she was living in the same house that she grew up in in the early 20th century. And, you know, as a kid, I, I was always curious about, you know, how was it like growing up in this house? Like, which bedroom was your bedroom? Which bedroom was your, um, my great uncle's mm-hmm. bedroom? And she said, you know, where everyone's bedroom was. And then she said, sort of, kind of offhandly, um, oh, and there were three other ones. And that comment sort of stuck with me for a while. Like, three other ones? Who who are they? And so a couple of years ago, I got curious, and I went to um, the uh, New York State Archives in Albany, where they have the Vital Records Index, looking for Sullivans that died in New Rochelle about the time of World War One. And sure enough, there were three... Uh, kids of um, Daniel and Catherine Sullivan, and I got their death certificates from the New York, I'm sorry, the New Rochelle City Clerk's Office, and there was a a boy who died at two years old, a girl who died at about six months, and another girl who died at only a month. Um, yeah, this is right after World War One, you know, with the, the Spanish mm-hmm. flu and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to find, you know, who they were to give them names um, and to find, you know, where they were buried and that sort of thing. Um, was pretty meaningful. Mm, very nice, very nice. So th- thank, we are at the end of the, the hour, and uh, I want to thank you both, uh, Jackie and Patrick, for joining us today. It's been a, a wonderful show, and I'm uh, so glad to, to spotlight the uh, Westchester County Archives and Historical Society. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Jane. It's been very fun to talk to you. Definitely. <laughs> thank you for having us. Really enjoyed right, it. You're welcome. Uh, This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Have a good day. Unforgettable. Unforgettable.